I lived in Texas for seven years, which was not long enough for country and western music to become my music, but it was long enough for it to grow on me. Country and western songs don't shy away from honest and messy emotions or less than tidy life situations. While I lived in Texas, David Allen Coe released a song called You Never Even Called Me By My Name, in which he said the perfect country western song has to say something about mama, trains, trucks, prison, and getting drunk. <laughs> now, believe it or not, this morning's Matthews pa passage is what started me thinking about country and western music. Jesus takes on the Pharisees for praying publicly, ostentatiously, using phylacteries and fringes. Now, a phylactery is a small box with a leather strap. The box contains words of scripture central to the Jewish faith. Orthodox Jewish men still use phylacteries in prayer today, and fringes are the long fringes at the corners of prayer shawls, also still used by Jews all over the world. There's nothing at all wrong with using these prayer aids. But these particular Pharisees apparently are doing it for show. They're trying to look all tidy when their real lives look more like a country western song. And they judge others by a standard they are not willing to meet themselves. And when Jesus closes with, all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all who humble themselves will be exalted, it reminded me of a country-western song, perhaps the theme song of these Pharisees, O Lord, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. <laughs> Humility is a difficult topic because many people associate it with downcast eyes and a misty voice and noble stories of sacrifice. I think Americans in particular connect being humble with being a wimp, and God knows we Americans don't want anyone to think of us as wimps. That colors the way we hear this passage and makes it harder to understand. What does Jesus mean? What does he want us to do in order to be humble? In addition, it sounds as though there might be some punishment, at least hinted in this passage. Is Jesus saying, if we think too much of ourselves, the punishment is humility? That is hardly good news. I take my cue from the particular behavior Jesus is condemning. The Pharisees believe they are better than other people, more worthy than the lesser folks who don't have the time or leisure for regular prayer. In this belief, they fall into the trap into which all perfectionists fall, and I speak from experience as a recovering perfectionist and an aspiring good-enougher. <laughs> they measure their perfection by the standard they believe they have nailed, their prayer practice in this case. But in their attempt to avoid shame by looking better than other people, because that is always the reason people try to look as though they're better than other people, in doing the perfectionism hustle, they not only set themselves up to feel more shame, because nobody, nobody is perfect, they also experience disengagement, disconnection from other people, 
the never-ending performance of perfectionism and, the, and better than pushes people apart. Brene Brown tells a story that illustrates this. She attended a holiday music presentation put on by the kids at her son's preschool. You know the scene, 25 children singing with 50-plus parents and grandparents wielding 39 video cameras. The parents were holding up their cameras, snapping pictures while they scrambled to make sure their kids knew that they were there and were on time. In addition to all the commotion in the audience, one three-year-old girl cried her way through the entire performance because she couldn't see her mom from the stage. As it turns out, her mother was stuck in traffic and missed the whole performance. By the time the mother arrived, Brown was kneeling by the classroom door telling her son goodbye. From this vantage point, she watched the little girl's mother burst through the door and start scanning the room to find her daughter. Just as Brown was getting ready to stand up and point her back toward the back of the classroom where a teacher was comforting her daughter, another mom walked by them, looked straight at this stressed mom, shook her head, and rolled her eyes. Brown stood up and took a deep breath and tried to reason with that part of herself that wanted to chase after the better-than-you, eye-rolling mom, and kick her perfectly punctual behind. <laughs> Just then, two more moms walked up to this now tearful mother and smiled. One of the mothers put her hand on top of the woman's shoulder and said, We've all been there. I missed the last one. I wasn't just late. I completely forgot. Brown watched as the woman's face softened, and she wiped away a tear. The second woman looked at her and said, My son was the only one who wasn't wearing pajamas on PJ Day. He still tells me it was the most rotten day ever. It will be okay. We're all in the same boat. By this time, the mother made her way back to the back of the room where the teacher was still comforting her daughter, and she looked calm, something that probably came in handy when her daughter lunged for her from about six feet away. The eye-rolling mother judged the late mother on punctuality. The eye-rolling mother gets a perfect A plus in punctuality. But there are other qualities she's not even thinking about that just might be more important. Compassion, for instance, courage, vulnerability, and humility. The moms who stopped and shared their stories of imperfection were practicing all of these. They took the time to stop and say, here's my story, you're not alone. They didn't have to stop and share. They could easily have joined the perfect parent parade and marched right past her. Humility means we've all been there. You are not alone. We're all doing the best we can. No one is perfect. Humility and humble come from the same root as human and humus. Now, being humble doesn't mean treating yourself like dirt. It just means being human, being a human being created by God and treasured by God no more and no less than any other human being.
Humility means understanding and appreciating our common humanity. So when Jesus challenges the Pharisees, he's not threatening them with punishment. He's talking about logical consequences. The consequence of thinking you are perfect or better than others is disconnection and more shame. In other words, it's humbling. The consequence of compassion for our common humanity, the consequence of humility, is connection and belonging, which is what we all want and need, so it is to be exalted. November 1st is All Saints Day, and we celebrate All Saints the first Sunday in November here at First Presbyterian Church. In the Roman Catholic tradition, saints are people who have lived an exceptionally good life and then died, and sometimes performed miracles, and whose memory has stood the test of time. Originally, each saint had his or her own saint day, but there are around 40,000 saints in the Catholic tradition, so eventually most of them were celebrated on one day, All Saints Day. For Presbyterians, 40,000 is just a start. In his letters, the Apostle Paul uses the word saints to refer to the church, the church on earth, here and now. In our tradition, all who are united in Christ, whether dead or living, are saints. In neither tradition are saints perfect people, not in the Catholic Church and not in the Presbyterian Church. James Martin writes, The history of sinful saints begins right at the start of Christianity. St. Peter, traditionally described as the first pope, denied knowing Jesus three times before the crucifixion. As the priest in the film Moonstruck says, that's a pretty big sin. Being a saint does not mean being flawless. Thomas Merton writes, for me, A saint means to be myself. God leaves us free to be whatever we like. We can be ourselves or not as we please. We are at liberty to be real or to be unreal. We may wear one mask and now another and never, if we so desire, appear with our own true face. But we cannot make these choices with impunity. Causes have effects, and if we lie to ourselves and to others, then we cannot expect to find truth and reality whenever we happen to want them. Our vocation, says Merton, is not simply to be, but to work together with God in the creation of our own life, our own identity, our own destiny. To be a saint means to be myself. To be a saint means to be yourself. To be a saint means to be ourselves, our perfect, human, earthy selves, connected by all we have in common, our humanity, our hardwired need for belonging, even our struggles with shame and vulnerability and with faith itself. To be a saint is to be ourselves, working together with God in the creation of our own lives, not some perfect or false life, but a humble life, a servant life that is in fact the exalted life because of the connection to each other and to God that humility expressed in service 
makes possible. In 1953, a man arrived at the railway station in Chicago to receive, to receive the Nobel Peace Prize. He stepped off the train, a tall man with bushy hair and a big mustache. As the cameras flashed and the city officials approached with hands outstretched to meet him, he thanked them politely. Then he asked to be excused for a minute. He walked through the crowd to the side of an elderly black woman struggling with two large suitcases. He picked them up, smiled, escorted her to the bus, helped her to get on, and wished her a safe journey. Then, Albert Schweitzer, theologian, or organist, philosopher, physician, and medical missionary to Africa, and Nobel Peace Prize winner, turned to the crowd and apologized for keeping them waiting. It is reported that one member of the reception committee told a reporter, that's the first time I ever saw a sermon walking. That's funny, because I see walking sermons all the time. Right here among you, the humble, human, earthy, imperfect, serving and exalted saints of San Anselmo. Thanks be to God. Amen.